Memphis Media Networks. This is America's First News. This morning with your host, Gordon Deal. Biden, uh, Blinken seeks diplomacy. Good morning, I'm Gordon Deal, along with Jennifer Koshenka on this Monday. November 6th. Glad you could be with us. Here's what we have for you this hour. Secretary of State Antony Blinken has made unannounced stops in the West Bank and Iraq trying to limit the impacts of the Israel-Hamas war. A mass shooting in Cincinnati has killed an 11-year-old boy and wounded five others. Police are looking for the shooter. Donald Trump set to take the stand today in his fraud trial. Meanwhile, a new poll shows him leading President Biden in five battleground states. And if the economy is doing so well, why do so many Americans feel lousy about it? I call it like it's referred pain. You know how like part of your body can hurt because you injured a different part of the body? Doctors call this referred pain. I kind of feel that people's expression of pain on the economy is is a referral of an overall level of distress they're feeling about the world at large. And like who can't sort of like feel a little despondent looking at all the terrible things going on in the world. Greg Ipp at the Wall Street Journal on why lingering inflation can't be the only reason for our unhappiness with the economy. For a third time now, Secretary of State Antony Blinken has been making a diplomatic push on the Israel-Hamas war, this time trying to reassure Arab allies that the Biden administration is ramping up efforts to ease the plight of Gaza's civilians. He was in the West Bank yesterday meeting with Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas, stressing that Palestinians must have a main say in whatever comes next. The PA is, is playing a very important role right now in the West Bank in trying to keep stability. Uh, there. That's usually important because no one wants another front in the West Bank or anywhere else. And they're really stepping up under very difficult conditions to do the necessary work. Mr. Blinken later flew to Baghdad for talks with Iraqi Prime Minister Mohammed Shia al-Sudani as American forces in the region face a surge of attacks by Iranian allied militias in Iraq and elsewhere. From Baghdad, Mr. Blinken traveled to Turkey. He was in Jordan on Saturday. The U.S. is trying to limit the destabilizing regional fallout from the war since terrorist attacks by Hamas one month ago. Officials in Cincinnati are trying to determine who's responsible for a drive-by shooting that sent 22 bullets into a crowd of children, killing an 11-year-old boy and striking four other children and an adult. Police say the victims were near an intersection Friday night when an occupant of a dark sedan fired the rounds in quick succession. One victim remained hospitalized in stable condition. Officials have not released any information about a suspect, nor have they said whether the shooting was targeted. Police Chief Teresa Thietji. As to the person or persons responsible for this violent sense, this violent act, turn yourself in. Turn yourself in. Call a loved one. Have them turn you in. The crime scene is just a short walk from a daycare and a girl's dance studio. Prior to Friday's shootings, two teens ages 16 and 14 had been shot in that West End neighborhood. So police have begun specifically tracking child homicide statistics, citing access to guns and inadequate conflict resolution as the causes of such violence. Former President Trump is expected to take the witness stand today in a Manhattan civil fraud trial in which he's accused of inflating his net worth by billions of dollars in order to obtain favorable terms on bank loans and insurance policies. We get more from this morning's Mike Gavin. 
The Republican presidential frontrunner is expected to face questioning about how his company calculated his net worth and the worth of his assets. Trump's appearance follows testimony from two of his sons, Donald Jr. and Eric, who said on the stand last week that they relied on accountants and company executives for the preparation of financial statements. His daughter Ivanka Trump is expected to testify on Wednesday. New York Attorney General Letitia James is seeking $250 million in penalties as well as sweeping limits on business activities. Gordon. Thank you, Mike. State Supreme Court Justice Arthur Engeron has slapped Mr. Trump with multiple fines for violating a gag order, branded him a liar in court, and issued a pretrial ruling that, unless overturned, could prevent Mr. Trump from doing business in New York. Dell's Black Friday event is their biggest sale of the year. Shop limited time deals on laptops like the stylish, innovative XPS 13, engineered to do it all on the Intel Evo platform. Plus, save big on ultra-sharp monitors and top brand accessories. Shop now at dell.com deals to take advantage of huge savings and free shipping. Again, that's dell.com deals. Thanks for spending time with us. Welcome into Monday. We recently learned that the economy, far from sliding toward recession, as economists had predicted over the past year, has actually picked up steam thanks to enthusiastic consumers. So if the economy is so good, why are Americans so gloomy? Here's Greg Ipp, chief economics commentator at The Wall Street Journal. Greg, what did you look at? Well, Gord, if we look at the basic indicators of how the economy performs, most of them are looking really, really good. You know, we just recorded a 4.9% growth rate in the third quarter, which is pretty spectacular. Uh, in fact, the economy is now larger than it was predicted to be if the pandemic had never happened. The unemployment rate is back down to close to a 50-year low. And that's not just because people have given up looking for work. In fact, the number of people in the labor force is also back to where it was uh, before the uh, pandemic happened. I suppose the biggest negative, which we've heard a lot about over the last few years, is inflation, which did get very high. And obviously, that's pretty depressing. Um, But inflation has started to come down. Uh, It was 9% at its peak a year ago. Now it's 3.7%. And just as important, wages have started catching up, and many cases are exceeding that. So yes, um, people have a right to be upset at how inflation has eaten into their uh, incomes, but they've made a lot of progress. But I think the surprising thing is that when you actually take into account all these things, you look at something called the misery index, which is essentially the unemployment rate plus inflation, and you compare that to things like the University of Michigan's consumer sentiment index, you find that sentiment still seems oddly depressed. It's lower than you could probably explain just looking at the inflation and unemployment rates. So okay. there's a little bit of a mystery there. Okay, yeah, and why? I mean, it's just started to peel this back. Did you come up with anything? Well, I think inflation has probably been very dispiriting in ways that we don't fully comprehend just by looking at the inflation rate alone. First of all, even though the inflation rate has come down, the inflation rate is really how fast is the level of prices moving up. And just because they're moving up more slowly doesn't really sort of like make people feel better when they consider how far they've come. I mean, in many cases, they're looking at, you know, restaurant meals and other prices, gasoline, groceries that are 20 or 30 percent more expensive than they were two or three years ago. And they're not about to start going down. So if you just look at the level of prices, people are pretty unhappy, uh, especially with homes. Like if you actually want to go and buy a house nowadays, um, Houses are way more expensive, plus mortgage rates are their highest in 20 years. So if you're shopping for a home, that's pretty depressing, too. Mm. Um, but I think there must be something else going on here, Gord. Honestly, I think that the economic pessimism is a reflection of a broader pessimism out there uh, in the world today. I just think that it's, I call it like it's referred pain. You know how like part of your body can hurt because you injured a different part of the body? Yeah. And doctors call this referred pain. I kind of feel that people's 
expression of pain on the economy is is referral of an overall level of a distress or feeling about the world at large. And like, who can't sort of like feel a little despondent looking at all the terrible things going on in the world, whether it's political and cultural conflict, war in Ukraine, war in the Middle East, you know, mass shootings, um, crime, uh, drug overdoses, homelessness, or whatever. It's it's kind of pretty bad out there. Well, we're speaking with Greg Ip. Chief Economics Commentator at the Wall Street Journal. His piece is called The Economy is Great. Why are Americans in such a rotten mood? And as he says, lingering inflation can't explain all the unhappiness. You know, you made me think of something there. You, you referenced a couple of items, and I thought it's like the, the inflation hangover effect or something. You referenced homes. Like, this is the biggest investment most of us ever make, and it seems very daunting right now to want to try to buy a home. And then you reference like gas prices grocery prices this is these are like the everyday reminders so we got the everyday reminders versus that biggest investment some of us try to make it, it it's frustrating it seems yeah you, that's right and these things all cut in different directions so higher home prices are great if you already own a home and don't have any intention of trading up to another it makes you feel wealthy and indeed we have data that suggests uh, wealth has grown in a significant way since 2019 but if you're one of those people who doesn't own a home and hopes to have one or you're trying, trying to trade up from the one you have right now the fact that prices are up so much is daunting and it creates a very high hurdle to overcome so that's not a good thing now gasoline is um, actually it's come down a lot it was as much as five dollars i think over a year ago and it's down below four dollars and we've had you know gasoline between 350 and four dollars in the past and obviously $3.50 gasoline today is not quite as punishing as it was 10 years ago, given that there's been overall inflation in that period. Nonetheless, people do remember when it was cheaper, and they kind of miss that. Yeah. And, you know, uh, uh, milk is more expensive than it was a couple of years ago. It's not going up any longer, but people remember when it was a lot cheaper. All right, thanks, Greg. Greg Ip, chief economics commentator at the Wall Street Journal. Meanwhile, Donald Trump leads President Biden in five battleground states in a hypothetical matchup ahead of the 2024 presidential election, according to a new poll just out from the New York Times and Siena College. 20 minutes after the hour on This Morning, here's Jennifer Koshenka. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. Secretary of State Antony Blinken is in Turkey, where he is expected to hold a meeting with Turkey's foreign minister. Blinken's been carrying out a tour of the Middle East that included stops in Jordan and Iraq over the weekend. Turkey has been critical of Israel and supports a two-state solution. Blinken says the U.S. continues to call for a pause in fighting to get civilians out of the Gaza Strip. Israel's raised important questions about uh, how humanitarian pauses would work. Uh, we've got to answer those questions. We're working on exactly that. In fact, we agreed that our uh, teams would get together and they've they're doing just that. Leaders of United Nations agencies and humanitarian organizations have issued a joint statement calling for an immediate humanitarian ceasefire. Number two. Moscow said a Ukrainian strike had damaged a Russian ship moored in occupied Crimea. The latest sign Ukraine stepped up attacks are dealing further blows to the Russian Navy. Russia's statement came after Ukraine's Air Force said it launched cruise missiles at a shipbuilding facility in East Crimea that had damaged one of Russia's most modern cruise missile carriers. Number three. Donald Trump is expected to take the witness stand today in the Manhattan civil fraud trial that's featured increasingly charged exchanges between the former president's lawyers and a judge who could cripple his business empire. Under oath, Trump is expected to face questioning about how his company calculated his net worth and the worth of his assets as it sought hundreds of millions of dollars in loans. New York Attorney General Letitia James alleges Trump for years inflated his worth by billions of dollars to secure unfair financial advantages. 
prices. Tyson Foods is voluntarily recalling almost 30,000 pounds of its dinosaur-shaped chicken nuggets due to possible contamination from foreign materials, specifically metal pieces. Tyson alerted the Agriculture Department after receiving complaints from consumers who found small metal pieces in the product. The company says there's been one reported minor oral injury associated with the nuggets. Shotgun snap for Prescott. Steps up, looks, throws, end zone. Lamb makes the catch at the two-yard line, and it will be tackled right there. And the Eagles are going to hold on to win. Jerry Recco with a call on Compass Media Network says Dak Prescott's last-second pass to CeeDee Lamb fell short, preserving the Eagles' 28-23 win over the Cowboys in Philadelphia. The Eagles, the only 8-1 and one team in the NFL. This pass was close. <laughs> right there, like the two, the one-yard line. Almost got, got enough. Thanks, Jen. Did you know traditional bed sheets harbor as much bacteria as a toilet seat? The germs in your sheets can cause acne, allergies, stuffy noses, and other gross ailments. Fears, though, that you can put to bed with Miracle Made bed sheets. Miracle Made uses silver infused fabrics inspired by NASA that are thermoregulating to keep you at a perfect temperature all night. Miracle Made is self cleaning, self cooling, luxurious, eco friendly bedding designed to protect your skin for more restorative rest. My wife and I love them. Now, my listeners can have a clean night's sleep while saving over 40% and sleep cool all summer and warm all winter. The website, trymiracle.com slash Gordon. Claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% at checkout. Miracle-made products are backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, the website, trymiracle.com slash Gordon. trymiracle.com slash Gordon to save big. You can sleep cool, comfy, and clean. Miracle-made bedding, NASA-inspired for out-of-this-world comfort. Sleep clean with Miracle. Thanks for being with us. It's easy to find high-yield savings accounts that are offering 5% interest these days, but a handful of banks are now promising they'll pay at least 5% interest on those accounts and keep doing it into next year. More from Andrew Keshner, personal finance reporter at MarketWatch. Andy, set this up. Yeah, so the allure of, of like putting your cash uh, to work has been all of these great rates um, that we've been seeing as interest rates have been rising. Um, the, the, the conventional wisdom goes that um, if you put it in a CD, which is a certificate of deposit, um, you can get an even better rate. But the thing is, is you're going to lock up your money. Um, and you can't use it. You get a penalty if you take it out early. Savings accounts, they, um, you know, you can take it out at any time. So, but you might get a, a slightly lower rate. But what this is, this is guaranteeing like a, a higher rate that stays high, even though you can take your money out. So it's trying to meld the best of both worlds, uh, the, these guaranteed rates. Mm. All right. So if we examine the fine print, what will we see? Yeah. So that's the thing, though. Um, with some of these accounts, you have to um, you have to keep an account minimum. Um, on these, like like a certain balance, you, you can't go below that. Otherwise, the rate can really plummet. Like uh, in one instance, it went, it could go from, uh, you know, like that plus five to like w- well, well below one percent. Um, you know, uh, like you know, point oh something. Um, <laughs> and so that's not what. <laughs> that's definitely not the point of this whole thing. Um, another, another, uh, another thing to realize is sometimes even after that introductory rate, um, you have that, 
it might fall back to something that may be a little lower, a little less competitive um, when you when you when when the that rate fallback comes. Mm. So we talked about uh, brick and mortar banks in addition to online banks offering five plus percent. You know, um, more more likely than not, no. So it, it, this really seems to be the world of online banks. Um, um, brick and mortar banks, the story has been that their, their rates um, haven't been nearly as good uh, because they don't need to work as hard um, for that, um, that deposit money. Yeah. So they don't need to entice in that way. Um, you know, I did find uh, one brick and mortar bank, Fifth Third Bank, that is offering a high guaranteed rate um, in through early next year. Um, and then after that, the rate the rate does fall. But really, this is the world of just a handful of online banks. Thanks, Andy. Andrew Keshner, personal finance reporter at MarketWatch. Aging is a journey that can gather some unwanted passengers, namely those senescent or zombie cells. Hi, it's Gordon Deal, and I used to feel that sluggish middle-aged mood, those aches after workouts. I could practically feel those old cells just taking up space, bogging me down. Then I found Qualia Senolytic. Think of it as giving your body a little spring cleaning, pruning away the worn-out cells, and letting the lively ones shine. And you only take it two days a month. Crafted with vegan, gluten-free, non-GMO ingredients. Plus, with a 100-day money-back guarantee, you've got a risk-free journey to rejuvenation. Resist aging at the cellular level. Try Qualia Senolytic. Go to neurohacker.com slash Gordon for up to $100 off and use code Gordon at checkout for an additional 15% off. That's neurohacker.com slash Gordon for an extra 15% off. Thanks to Neurohacker for sponsoring today's show. Neurohacker.com slash Gordon. Start your day smarter. You're listening to America's First News this morning with Gordon Deal. Thanks for spending time with us. Welcome into Monday, November 6. Gordon Deal, Jennifer Koshenka, some of our top stories and headlines. Secretary of State Antony Blinken trying to reassure Arab allies. Israel says there's a significant operation underway in Gaza. Cincinnati police looking for a gunman who fired on a group of children, killing an 11-year-old. Trump set the take the stand today in his New York civil fraud trial. Target offering a Thanksgiving meal for $25. Bengals over the Bills in Sunday night football. It's the Jets and Chargers in the Monday night game. And why a little boy says he innocently dialed 911. That story in about 20 minutes. This portion of the program is brought to you by Indeed. Make the hiring process work for you. With Indeed's end-to-end hiring solution, you can attract, interview, and hire candidates all from one place. Start at Indeed.com credit. Thanks to the flexibility of many hybrid jobs, more and more professionals are rethinking the maximum distance they're willing to commute. Some are making extended drives. Others are enduring long journeys by mass transit. And an elite handful are taking Herculean journeys involving multiple flights. Here's Aki Ito, senior correspondent at Insider. Aki, who is a super commuter? It's basically somebody who has a very, very long commute. Um, So researchers define it in different ways, but probably the most standard definition is somebody who has a commute one way that's more than 90 minutes. Okay. And so we've seen more of these over, what, the past couple of decades? 
Yes, um, definitely. As you know, uh, I think a, a bunch of different factors played into this. Um, for example, uh, dual earning households. Um, it's hard for both um, people in, in a household now to find a job in the same city. So, um, you know, one person ends up getting a job that's in the next city over. Um, but of course, a, a lot of it is because of technology too. You know, even before the pandemic, people were starting to, you know, work from home a little bit more thanks to the internet. And, um, you know, of course, the pandemic completely turbocharged that. And when people don't have to go into the office as much, you know, they start to think, maybe Maybe we can live a little bit farther away from the office, um, and that's what's driving the super commuting trend. Explain uh, the part where you talk about this spelling trouble for mid-sized cities. Yeah, so I mean, you know, people have, you know, very different theories about this, but um, there's a professor I spoke to at NYU. He's um, an expert on urban planning. His name's Mitchell Moss. And his hypothesis is that, you know, with, you know, the emergence of remote work, people were like, oh, big cities are dead, like everybody's moving out. But he was saying, you know, actually, big cities are going to benefit from this um, trend of hybrid work, because everybody's still going to want to get together in these big cities. But the thing is, you know, let's say you're a company that's getting together only once every two weeks or so, um, or maybe it's just once a month, maybe it's once a quarter, uh, you're not going to want to get together probably in like some like random town that's hard to get to in the mm -hmm. middle of the country. You probably want to go to New York City. You probably want to go to San Francisco. Um, and so that's why he felt that, you know, these mid-sized cities, especially the industrial cities, you know, in the middle of the country, were uh, going to take a hit from this. Mm -hmm. We're speaking with Aki Ito, senior correspondent at Insider. Her story is called Super Commuting is on the Rise, and that spells big trouble for mid-sized cities. Uh, you, you opened your story talking about this, uh, this guy, Lee Robinson from Iowa. Explain what he goes through. <laughs> yeah, so his uh, his commute is quite long. Um, you know, he gets up at five in the morning, uh, drives to the airport. Um, he, he lives in Des Moines, so he's all the way in Iowa. Uh, goes through security, gets on a 6 a.m. flight. Then he has a connection in Denver because there isn't a direct flight from Des Moines to San Francisco where his office is. So then he gets on another flight to San Francisco, takes an Uber to um, San Francisco's financial district where his office is. Um, and door to door, you know, that trip takes seven and a half hours. And that's assuming there aren't any flight delays um, and very little traffic. Mm. I'm jealous that he wakes up at five but is on a six o'clock plane. <laughs> well, that's like that, perhaps man. one of the pleasures of living, you know, in a, right. in a smaller city. Right. <laughs> what happens uh, years from now? Is this is this going to continue, or or could things possibly s switch in a? new direction. You know, I do think it's going to continue. Um, you know, I, I think kind of early to the middle of the pandemic, a lot of us thought that like remote work was going to be the new big thing. But um, increasingly, as companies uh, have their employees come back to the office, it's looking like hybrid work is really the dominant model here. Um, I, I do think the companies that are insisting on five days a week, increasingly, they're going to, you know, scale that back to four, maybe three days. Um, maybe the companies that are doing three days right now um, will scale it back to one or maybe they'll make it more into a, a model where it's like one week out of uh, an entire month. 
Um, and, and, you know, and that's just, I, th I think that's going to continue as a technology that enables remote work is going to get better and better. Um, so I think we're going to see a lot more super commuters in the future for sure. Thanks, Aki. Aki Ito, senior correspondent at Insider. Today's mic drop is brought to you by Dell. For your small business needs, call a Dell Technologies advisor today at 877-ASK-DELL. Hey, glad you're with us. Welcome into Monday. It is time now for the mic drop with this morning's Mike Gavin. Good morning. Well, we're not sure what's going on, but it seems the deer have their dander up this fall. We told you a couple weeks ago about the deer that crashed through the window of a restaurant in Wisconsin, ruining everyone's lunch and sending them fleeing for the exits. Now, perhaps inspired by that animal's rampage, another deer came crashing into a restaurant, this time in Virginia. Security footage shows the doe bust through the glass doors and scamper through uh, awful, awful Arthur's seafood restaurant in Salem. The animal appeared to regret its decision pretty quickly, flailing around and trying its best to escape the crowded eatery. And it did 30 to 45 seconds later. Thankfully, nobody, including the deer, appeared to be hurt. That, you know, the reaction from the patrons in the restaurant in Virginia yeah. versus the reaction from the patrons in Wisconsin right. seemed wildly different, didn't it? <laughs> like they were more chill uh, yeah, in, in like, Virginia for the yeah. newer one? Yeah. In Wisconsin, they yeah. seemed to scatter, like yeah. get out of the way, let the deer do what it's going to do. Yeah. And in Virginia, they just sort of like stood by. I think one woman sort of made a move toward the door to open the door right, to let right. the deer out at one point. Yeah. You know what it was? It this, seemed wildly this, different. This was a doe with no antlers, I think, was was the difference. Oh, was it a buck? Yeah, in, the, uh, I think in Wisconsin, it was a buck. You see those antlers come flying yeah, toward yeah, you. Yeah. I think it's a whole different reaction than it was just a, a I think a little bit, little bit smaller of a deer this time around too. Mm. I thought maybe uh, in Virginia maybe they were I don't know maybe they'd just finished smoking weed so yeah. they're just in a chill mood or, or something. Yeah, like yeah. I mean, yeah. You you never know. Reaction very different. <laughs> yes. And uh, if you're out on vacation in a strange place, you might come across some wildlife you're not used to seeing, and it's a good idea to take caution while interacting with it. However, a deer would be pretty low on the list of dangerous animals you'd have to keep both eyes on. Not the case for one tourist visiting Greece recently. The man who was on vacation from Mexico with his wife said he was taking a picture of a small deer that was standing in front of them, but then was then uh, suddenly attacked by a large male deer with large horns right in his back. Still footage of the attack shows the exact moment the buck branded the tourist, sending his phone flying in the air, and he says it left him with several broken ribs. He says he's lucky his injuries weren't worse, and instead of going to the hospital, he recovered on his own with ice and lots of medication. Man, yeah, it looked like they were like some sort of park. Right. I, yeah. I, I got the feeling it was a park they were in on the water there. Yeah. I believe there's an island off the coast of Greece where there's these deer kind of run okay. free like that. So they were okay. probably visiting the wildlife. The deer was just some of the wildlife they were looking at. This this thing had a big rack, uh, <laughs> big antlers. <laughs> yes. How? I mean, he got hit in the back. I don't know how he didn't get gored. Yeah. I thought, as I started to hear you tell the story, I thought for sure this guy took some horns, piercing the ribs, slashing his spleen, something. But he wound up like with a scratch. Yeah, well, uh, besides the broken yeah. ribs from the impact. Yeah, I mean the deer looked like in the sort of the uh, the previous shot before he got mauled by the deer. It looked like he, the deer wasn't that far away from him, so maybe he didn't get a running start. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> the deer was only like a, a foot or two away from him, yeah. so maybe just kind of gave maybe. a little little head nod with the <sighs> with the antlers and uh, you know, but managed to break a couple ribs. Yeah. At, at least that's what he says. Right. And uh, I think that deer was perhaps looking after the little deer that the I guy mean, was taking yes, a picture of. Perhaps a, a yeah. parent that was like you get out of here stop taking pictures mm. of my kid mm -mm -mm. thank you mike
Dell's Black Friday event is their biggest sale of the year. Shop limited-time deals on laptops like the stylish, innovative XPS 13, engineered to do it all on the Intel Evo platform. Plus, save big on ultra-sharp monitors and top-brand accessories. Shop now at dell.com deals to take advantage of huge savings and free shipping. Again, that's dell.com deals. Thanks for spending time with us. Daylight Saving Time came into being as a tool for actual savings. A later sunset meant people might use less candle wax or coal or lamp oil back in the day. But does Daylight Saving Time deliver any real savings to the average consumer in 2023 America? Decades of research haven't yielded a definitive answer. However, some top time shift scholars now believe Daylight Time costs us in the end. William Shugart, economist at Utah State University, tells USA Today that he knows of no credible study that has documented any savings whatsoever in energy from adopting daylight saving time. He says all of the effects of daylight saving time are costs. America adopted the schedule of pivoting between daylight saving time and standard time in 1966, at least the modern schedule. In 2007, we moved the start of daylight saving time from the first Sunday in April to the second Sunday in March and delayed its end from the last Sunday in October to the first Sunday in November. Eight minutes now in front of the hour on this morning. Once again, here's Jennifer Koshenka. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. The U.S. is rushing to support Middle East leaders facing domestic turmoil over the Israel-Hamas conflict, with Secretary of State Antony Blinken making two surprise visits Sunday to the West Bank in Iraq. The unannounced stops, first to the West Bank city of Ramallah and then to Iraq's capital, Baghdad, followed a summit of Arab leaders Saturday in Jordan, where Blinken reassured Middle East allies the U.S. would work to keep the conflict from spreading and help Palestinian civilians caught in the humanitarian crisis. It could advance things that we're all trying to accomplish, including getting uh, hostages back, including getting a lot more assistance into Gaza, including getting people out of Gaza, uh, citizens from, uh, from other countries, who seek, who seek to leave. Blinken is now in Turkey, where he's expected to hold discussions with his Turkish counterpart about humanitarian aid. Number two. Authorities have opened a hate crime investigation into the report of a hit and run on Friday that left an Arab Muslim student injured at Stanford University. This fellow student visited the victim who is being treated for non-life-threatening injuries on Saturday. He said that he recognized the person uh, as someone who was harassing him and other people at a pro-Palestine rally here at Stanford. The victim told university officials the driver, whom he described as a white man in his mid-20s, made eye contact with him before accelerating and striking him. Number three. Drivers are still getting a bit of a break at the pump due to stagnant demand and decreased oil prices. Industry analyst Trilby Lundberg. Gasoline prices are down again, this time 13 cents in two weeks, $3.54. And over the past six weeks, it's been dropping pretty steadily. The total drop is 44 cents per gallon. AAA says there are now thousands of gas stations selling regular below $3 a gallon and even a few that have dipped below $2. It was a very slow weekend at the box office due in large part to Dune Part 2's absence from the lineup. 
This was the weekend that Dune was supposed to open, but it was pushed to March due to the SAG after strike. Five Nights at Freddy's was the top movie of the weekend, bringing in another $19.4 million, followed by Taylor Swift, The Era's Tour, and Killers of the Flower Moon. All right, thank you, Jen. A Florida sheriff's office deputy was dispatched to a home after responding to a disconnected call from the residents, only to find an adorable reason for the alert. WFLA Television says when Hillsborough County Deputy Scott Pract arrived at the home in Riverview, he learned that the 911 call came from a young boy who just wanted to give him a hug. Doorbell footage captured the moment. Deputy Pract knocked on the front door to respond to what he thought might have been an emergency. A woman comes from the side of the property and greets him, but she's confused as to why he's there. So she calls to her son inside the home to come to the front porch. Mr. Prack's body camera and the mother's ring doorbell captured the moment the boy raced through the front door to hug the deputy and proudly explained he knew the deputy's phone number, 911. Deputy Prack not only hugged the boy, but also took the time to explain that 911 is used for emergencies. As he said goodbye, he radioed, kid just wanted a hug. That'll do it for this hour. For Jennifer Koshenka and Mike Gavin, I'm Gordon Deal. Thanks for listening to This Morning, America's First News.